Welcome. This is week number three in our series that we're calling uh, Spheres, and uh, I'm glad to be back this week, uh, continuing on the series. Didn't Pastor Stephen do a great job last week uh, carrying on there? My wife Susie and I were bringing our uh, two daughters, it was three last year, but one graduated, two daughters, back to college, uh, and, and so uh, it's always great to be able to uh, do those things that are so important, a priority of our family first, and, and know that the church is just left in real capable hands, and uh, uh, so thankful for the team that we have here. Well, I'm going to ask if you go ahead, open your Valley app specifically, and especially uh, for this message, because I did something a little bit different this time, I put all kinds of additional notes that are in the app at the end of the notes on the app. If you don't have the Valley app, you, you won't be able to access them. That's the only way that you can access them. We're trying to figure out how to put them in your hands. Uh, and, and so we just put them at the tail end of all the notes. You'll also want to follow along with the message uh, as we work our way through that. Quick review uh, where we started off. Uh, this is the third message. As I said, week number one, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And what it says there is, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we talked about this fact that, that uh, probably you've heard it as well, this idea of clergy and laity, uh, that there's like sacred things, that holy things and, and holy people, and, and then there's the rest of the unwashed masses, you know. And so there's this, this idea of clergy and laity, but it did not exist until about 250 AD, almost 220 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. In other words, the first two centuries of the church, if you would have said, oh, Greg Williamson, he's clergy, and I'm just laity, they would have said, what are you even talking about? It made no sense whatsoever. There's nothing in scripture that has that idea that every follower of Jesus Christ is a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And that's not just for the professional ministry people. That's for every follower of Jesus Christ. And God's plan for you and for me is that he places us in positions where we are to have influence on the people that we come in contact with. That's why we're calling this whole series Spheres, because God has given every one of us a sphere of influence. You are where you are for his sake. You are where you are for his sake. You're not by accident, here by accident. We talked about seven cultural spheres or seven spheres of influence in culture. And let me just review those real quick. Uh, that almost all culture can be divided into these seven spheres, church or religion, education, business, government, arts, media, and family. And sometimes I'm asked, you know, what about like science and medicine? Uh, that's business. Just check your healthcare premium. That's business right there that, that's being deducted out of your check or you're having to give there. There's no question. It's business. And so almost all of culture, particularly American culture, can be divided into these seven spheres of influence. Now, every single one of us is in one of these spheres, perhaps even multiple of these spheres. For instance, I am a pastor, so I'm in the church sphere. But, but that being said, I'm also a father, so I'm in the family sphere. I'm also the president of three different organizations, businesses, not-for-profits, so I'm in the business sphere as well. 
And when I was a paid football coach for 12 years, high school football coach, I was actually in the education sphere. I got a check from Wappinger Central School District, and it helped to pay for savings for our kids who are in college right now and, and other things. And so we've talked about identifying where you are in one of these spheres because you are where you are for his sake. It's not an accident. God's put you there on purpose. And when we understand this whole idea, and we looked at a lot of these scriptures in the New Testament that talk about being in a sphere, and the spheres that we have, they're always people. It's to have influence in people's lives. And so when we understand things like this, all of a sudden, like where Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. It was to influence the spheres in which God's placed us. And so it just brings the scripture really alive. And this whole idea of spheres is really God's strategy for touching and changing our world. And he has no plan B. If if we don't do what it is that God's called us to do, that he's instructed us to do, there, there is no backup plan that God has. And so uh, part of the reason for doing this series actually is coming up in October, October 16th through 18th, uh, we're going to be hosting what's called the Connexus Conference. It's the conference for the network that I'm the president of. And and instead of flying the whole staff down to Atlanta like we've done the last couple of years, we actually decided we're going to bring it up here to New York. And and the main theme and the, the focus of the whole conference is spheres, these seven spheres. So I thought, why don't we just do a sermon series just to really acclimate and orient the whole entire church because I'd love for you to be a part of that Connexus conference as well. And so you're not like, what in the world are they talking about? You'll probably be even more aware of a lot of things that we we look at and talk about in our guest speakers that will be coming in uh, from around the country and around the world for that. And so that's coming up on October 16th through the 18th. Because here's the thing, most people don't realize it Most people don't realize how influential you actually are. You don't really realize it, the impact that we're making for good or for bad in the people's lives that are in our sphere that closely surround us. So so today I want to help you to discover, and maybe it, it become really clear in your mind, the sphere that God's placed you in and how you can impact real practically the sphere that God's placed you in. And so let me give you the background of the story where I want to pick up this idea uh, that that the whole message today, I'm calling this, won't make sense right now, but in a minute it will, the Oikos Outlook. The Oikos Outlook. Now, I'm not talking about Oikos yogurt. I I discovered that's a name of a yogurt. That's a brand of yogurt. Uh, It's actually a Greek word. It means something very specific having to do with spheres. So just get yogurt out of your mind. Someone had to tell me that because I don't eat yogurt. I actually eat food, not mush. But uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But in John chapter 4, there's an interesting story uh, about Jesus. Jesus goes back to his hometown, to the area of Galilee where he's originally originally from, and, and there's been all kinds of miracles that have taken place, and, and uh, there's, there's a royal official that comes up to him, and he says, Jesus, would you come and heal my son? My son is sick, and, and Jesus says, in essence, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He, he says, you just go ahead, go back to your home, your son will live, and the official's like, really? He's like, yes, your son will live, you go. I don't have to go to your home. I just say, and it's done. 
And that's where we pick up the story now in verse 51. And it says, while he was still, this is the royal official, governmental official. Jesus is influencing this governmental official. And he returns home and says, while he was still on his way, his servants met, with him, uh, met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. In other words, they knew exactly the time, one o'clock yesterday, the fever left your son. The fe- he was dying. And at one o'clock, the fever left him. And it goes on and says, then the father realized that that was the exact time when Jesus said to him, your son will live. That exact moment that Jesus said, go back home, your son will live. That's when the fever broke. And so he and his whole, and look at this word, household believed. He and his whole household believed. This word household it is a form of the Greek word oikos. Say oikos with me, oikos. Say it like you mean it, oikos. Like make friends with it, there you go, oikos. Now here's the thing, it says that, this, okay, can we go back to that other slide? Uh, okay, he and his whole household. This is what we would think of this word oikos as house or family, but that's, that's the English idea of the word, but that's not the Greek understanding of the word oikos at all. So now let's go to the next one. Oikos in, in household, in Greek, what it literally means is, is understanding of a broader sense that encompasses your family. Watch this now. Neighbors, coworkers, friends, and those with whom you have regular contact. In other words, every single human being has an oikos. And, and, and it's interesting, socio- sociologically, maybe that's a word, I don't know, but I just made it up. But, but uh, sociologists would say, Every one of us has influence. It doesn't even matter how young, how old you are, with about 8 to 15 people. That's like the maximum impact circle of your oikos. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't call 120 people to be his disciples? He called 12. And he imparted and influenced and, and invested his life in those 12 take away Judas, 11, and they turned the world upside down in one generation as he influenced that circle. And so oikos, again, it really the meaning is our neighbors, our coworkers might be in your oikos, local barista, grocery store clerk, the parents, the other parents on your kid's sports team, they may be in your oikos, your hairdresser, your hairdresser might be in your oikos, a professor, a physical therapist, roommate, business associate, your mechanic, your waiter on your favorite restaurant, your dog groomer, your gardener, your carpool buddy, your roommate. Eight to 15 people that every one of us has real influence in their lives, in your oikos. And this is God's strategy for changing the world, is that you and I would recognize the sphere, the oikos that God has given to us. And we would influence the people around us for God's sake, for the kingdom of God, and bring him 
glory. There's all kinds of other examples of this idea of oikos. Uh, this word is often translated as household uh, in the New Testament. And that's the additional notes that I put at the end of your app. It's, it's about uh, 20 other verses or passages with the explanation of how those actually fit into this whole idea. And I'll encourage you to check that out on your own time. But how is this going to happen? How am I going to influence my sphere, my sphere of influence? What does it look like? Let me help you to identify where your oikos is, your 8 to 15 people that God's called you to influence. How does that happen? First of all, who are those people? My people. My people. Who are your people? Who are your people? The people in your life are not there by accident. God has placed them there. Uh, think about it, even in a family. Let's start with the basic of all society and culture, family. Did you know in America today, the average family spends per week a total of one hour together? One hour as a family. I don't mean you're in the house and you're in different rooms. That doesn't count. I mean like one hour, like sitting there face-to-face -face talking. One hour. Average father in America today spends seven minutes a week alone with his child. Seven minutes a week. Sometimes we wonder, what's going on in our country? Maybe we haven't realized the sphere God's placed us in. And I believe God wants us to leverage that sphere for his good. I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm a dad. I don't think I've ever spent just seven minutes a week with any one of my kids that, that, that small amount of time. But, but who are your people? Who's your oikos? Just because you live in the house doesn't mean you're necessarily influencing them. Who are those that you really have influence on? In Mark chapter uh, 5, it's an interesting story that uh, Jesus actually, uh, there's, a, there's a guy who's just incredibly vexed with demons, and, and Jesus delivers him and brings him freedom. And then he makes this statement to the guy when, once he's found freedom. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much and how he has had mercy on you. Now, the interesting thing about this, it says, go home to your friends. A lot of other English translations, this is the English Standard Version, a lot of other English translations say, go home to your family. But the English Standard gets it right, go home to your friends. You know why? Because this is the Greek word oikos. He says, go home to those who you have influence in their lives, your circle of 8 to 15 people, and tell them what I've done for you, how I've had mercy on you. So, so many times, and I have a computer program where I can actually just pull up the verse and then put my cursor over and it tells me what the word is in Greek and it's pretty nice and I can click a button and it pronounces it for me and it can show every other place in the Bible where that is. Uh, you probably don't have a program like that, but I do. And, and it's just kind of crazy when you look at how many times this, and that's why I put all those additional notes at the end of the app, how many times this phrase appears in the New Testament, this idea of oikos, your sphere of influence, of 8 to 15 people that you have influence on. So the first place that God wants you to start looking for your sphere of influence is the people that are closest to you. 
that you really have influence on. And then look at my place. What's your place? The place that God has put you in. God puts you in the place for a purpose. And that may be uh, on your job. Like I said, we looked at those seven spheres of influence. Uh, that may be, uh, again, uh, sitting in the bleachers with the other parents while the kids are, are playing the game. Uh, that might be at the grocery store. That might be at the gym. What's the place that God has put you in? Because he wants you to use that, again, for his influence, for his good. In Psalm 90, verse 17, it says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. They have a stuttering problem there. Why do they say establish the work of our hands? Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's a grammatical, kind of a poetic uh, uh, tool in Old Testament Hebrew. When they repeat something more than once, they're like underlining it or putting it in bold. And so this prayer in Psalm 90 says, May the favor of the Lord, our God, rest upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Do you realize what that prayer is? The psalmist is saying, God, make me stand out on the job. That that my work would be so excellent that people would take notice of what an incredible employee I am. Why? So I get a raise? I don't think that's it. That's short-sighted. Maybe it's because God, the writer rather, understands that God wants him to be an influence where he is. May the favor of the Lord God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hand for us. Yes, establish the work of our hand. God, may my work be excellent. As we talked about in week number one, when we discovered in the New Testament, it says that our boss is not our boss. Jesus Christ is our boss. He's the Lord. And our boss may think we're doing a great job, but Jesus sees, did I really give that my 100% effort or am I just kind of doing the minimum just to please my earthly boss? And so I'll put it this way. Your vocation and your station is your ministry location. Your vocation, your job, and your station, where God has placed you, that's your ministry location. Because here's the thing. The Bible doesn't, there is not this Greg is the professional ministry guy, clergy. And I'm not a ministry person, and so we pay the professionals to do that. That's not the New Testament church. That's not the church that Jesus established. That's not the first 200 years of the church that was incredibly influential in that culture, in that society. So your vocation and your station is your ministry location. God has placed you where you are for his purpose so that you would be a salt, so that you would be light and that you would influence those around you for God's sake, bringing God glory because of the way that you live your life and conduct yourself in the place he's put you. So discovering our sphere, first of all, Look at our people, my people, and then my place. And then the third way that we can really discover our oikos, my passion. My passion. What are you passionate about? What's your thing, you know? What's your thing that really 
makes you come alive when you talk about it. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, uh, maybe you, you you've had a coworker and you've worked with them for like 10 years or so, and then all of a sudden this different subject pops up. You know, one day at work, you know, you're 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 let's say you work construction and and, and one day you're talking about thermonuclear fusion, and all of a sudden he just comes alive, and he's like thermonuclear fusion. Oh my gosh! And it's like, he's never said anything for like 10 years. And all of a sudden, he's like, bah, 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 chatty Kathy. And you see, like, this is just this passion that this guy, I, I, I work a sledgehammer with this guy for 10 years. What's going on? It's his thing. God gave you that passion for a reason, no matter what it is. I mean, this time of year, I won't name names. But all kinds of people I know get really geeked up about fantasy football. Oh, they're like doing hours of research before they draft their fantasy team. And uh, I have a fantasy football team, and, and I do that because it's just kind of fun, but I'll probably do like 10 minutes of research and then like, hey, let's start, you know. But, but I know some that are literally like reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. And it's just like what they're passionate. What are you passionate about? It could be some pastime like fantasy football. It could be thermonuclear fusion, whatever it is. But but it's just like it comes alive, and you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden it's like the lever just gets flipped, and they're like so passionate about it. God gave you that passion for a reason. There's a purpose in your passion, because God wants to leverage that passion for his sake, to influence other people. The reason you're moved towards some things and not other things is God. Put that in your heart. There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament, Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, this is pretty interesting word, this word delight. I had the guys highlight that. The word delight is a Hebrew word, and Hebrew is a very kind of, a, how would I put it, picturesque. It's a graphic language. Uh, the words communicate uh, feelings and emotion and, and pictures. This word delight, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you know what that word means in Hebrew, uh, delight? It means a, it's like a bride preparing herself for her husband on their wedding day. Delight yourself in the Lord. Prepare, as meticulous as the planning, the focus, all of those things, like a bride preparing herself for the groom on the wedding day. Delight yourself in the Lord. And it's interesting, a lot of people read this differently. They read it like this, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of your heart. He's a big old Santa Claus up in the sky. Whatever you want, he just, he's going to give it to you. That's not what it says. It's focus on him. Put your focus on him, laser focus on him like a bride preparing for her wedding day. And God will give you the desire he wants for you to have in your heart. He'll give you his passion for a purpose. It's not focus on him and he'll give you whatever you want. It's focus on him and he'll give you what he wants for you, which is always the best. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you 
the desires of your heart. So Susie and I, we just took our uh, two youngest daughters. We have three. Brooke and Sophia, we just took them to college down in Virginia uh, to Liberty University. Brooke is in her junior year and Sophia is starting her sophomore year. When Sophia was in high school, she came to us and she said, Mom, Dad, I know what it is I want to do with my life. I know what it is I feel like God wants me to do with my life. I think she was actually a sophomore in, in high school, maybe junior. We said, what was that? She said, I want to be, uh, she said, I want to, what she exactly said, she, I want to do what Uncle Scott does. That's my brother who's a vice president of communications for Coca-Cola North America. And she said, I want to do what Uncle Scott does, but I want to do it for A21. A21 is a not-for-profit organization that's fighting the battle against human trafficking. Did you know that today in the world, there are more slaves alive on the planet today than at any other time in human history? More people in slavery today, and no one's talking about it. We, we've, we've brought awareness to the church, and that's actually how Sophia heard about it. That there are more people in bondage of slavery as we speak, 2017, than at any given moment in human history today no one's talking about it and so she said I want to go I want to get my degree in communications from Liberty University and the reason she chose that was not because her two older sisters went there but because A21 this specific organization she hopes to work for one day actually recruits right out of Liberty University a lot of the students and so she's like I want to get a degree there and I hope to get an internship with A21 and I would love to be one day the director of communications for this organization that was started by Christine Kane called A21. And so let me just give you a little, uh, a little preview of what A21 does. They have coming up uh, in the next couple of months, actually, what they call the Walk for Freedom. And I uh, actually have a little video clip, and I want to share that with you right now, because this is a passion point. I'll make a point in just a minute. Just imagine what it would be like when there is no longer one human being trapped in slavery. When women are no longer sold for sex. When men are no longer sold for labor. When children are no longer taken from their families. When every single human being is given equal value. When every single person is free. Slavery will not end on its own. Let's make it personal on October 14 for the fourth annual Walk for Freedom. Join us at a21.org forward slash walk. The things that A21 does. We're looking at the verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And God put that desire in our baby girl's heart. And on Tuesday before we, uh, actually Monday after we moved her in, she started some of the leadership training because she's in leadership there. And she texted, she goes, mom, dad, you're never gonna believe what happened. She said, my RS, so they have RAs, resident assistants. They also have RSs, resident shepherds in every one of the dorms. She said, my resident shepherd came up to me and said, are you Sophia Williamson? 
And she said, yes. And she said, I was the coordinator and the director for the Walk of Freedom for Lynchburg last year. There were thousands and thousands that participated in the city of Lynchburg. And she said, I represent A21. Would you like to be the coordinator for the entire city for the Walk for Freedom this year? And Sophia said, what? She's like, yes, I've heard about you. She knows her older sister. She goes, I think you would be the perfect coordinator for the Walk for Freedom for A21 for the city of Lynchburg. They only had like 10,000 people last year. God is giving opportunities, listen now, to an 18-year-old. An 18-year-old who simply, her heart is open. I just want to do what God wants me to do. So specific, laser focus, A21. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you those desires that he wants you to have in your heart. What's your passion? What's your passion? Susie and I were just sitting there, we're looking at our phones like, oh my gosh, how is this even possible? So she got interviewed on Tuesday by A21 and she was approved. She is going to be on October the 14th, the head coordinator for the Walk of Freedom for the city of Lynchburg. I'll clap for that too. I, I, we're just like chicken skin, you know. Delight like a bride preparing for her groom. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires that he wants you to have in your heart for the purpose that he created you for. I think those three ways are great ways that we can begin to identify our sphere, my people, my place, and my passion. So how are we going to make a difference? Now you've identified. Hopefully you've identified or you can go home, you can take these notes. God, help me to identify my sphere, my oikos, my 8 to 15 people. How are we going to influence them? Is it, is it going to be, uh, uh, I don't know that we say like praise God, hallelujah in the middle of every sentence. Is that how we're going to influence them? I don't think that's it. Are we going to influence them because they see the Valley Christian Church magnet on the back of our car? It's really awesome. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. Let's be just brutally practical here. Whether it's coaching the team, whether it's in the classroom, you're a student, whether it's in your cubicle or trimming somebody's hair, giving them a haircut. How are we going to influence? How are we going to make a difference for God's sake in people's lives? Well, the first way is this, I, I think it's, it's through your manners. <laughs> through your manners. You know, in American culture today, if you have good manners, you will stick out like a sore thumb. If you actually say like, yes, instead of yeah. If you actually like speak in complete sentences, people say, oh my, aren't they articulate? Your manners, and this is nothing new. The Bible talks a lot about being well-mannered. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Who is that? Those that don't know Jesus Christ, but are in your sphere. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that they may know, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
They're saying, let your speech be different than everyone else's. What are they saying? Don't use four-letter words? Well, probably it should be different. But even more than that, let it be gracious. Let it be encouraging. Let it be empowering. There's so much negativity. What, what if we just decide, I'm going to be positive and inspirational and lift people up and, and make them feel good about themselves? You'll find yourself being salt and being light and influencing people around you just by the way that your manners speak. Another verse that's interesting, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 puts it this way. Make it your ambition. See, the Bible doesn't have a problem with ambition. It's just, what is the ambition? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of who? Outsiders. Again, Lead a quiet life. Excel at what you do on the job. That people would see the quality of your work and your work ethic. And it would shine. And it would make an impact. And it would win the respect of outsiders. Because they see how you conduct yourself on the job. In the sphere. Your location and your vocation is your ministry. Where God's placed you, it'll have an impact. Just the manners that we have. Then we also need to recognize not only your manners, but also your moment, the moment in which you live. The moment in which you and I live right now. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 puts it this way. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. It's important to have a plan. And man, I've always been a man with a plan. I've got a one-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I'm already beginning to work my 10-year plan right now. But I realize this, all of it is subject to God. I think it's important to plan. I think it's very, very important to strategize. It's important to have a game plan. No, no football coach ever walked out there, you know, of the locker room right before kickoff and said, okay, guys, just go ahead, do whatever. I don't know. You don't win that way. It's important to have a strategy. It's important to have a plan. But you know who the best coaches are? They're the ones that can make the adjustments on the fly. And that's what God brings other things in our life, and we've got to be able to make the adjustments on the fly man makes the plan in his heart makes the plan plans his course but the Lord determines his step recognize the moment that you're in what a great prayer to just pray on a regular basis when we wake up in the morning God open my eyes to see the opportunities that you bring to me today open my eyes that I wouldn't overlook someone who needs my help. Open my eyes, tenderize my heart, that I'll say what it is that I need to say, that my words would be full of grace and full of love and encourage people around me. How do we make a difference through your manners, your moment, and then third and finally through your message? Through your message, the message that God puts on your heart to speak to others. 
First Peter chapter three, verse 15 puts it this way. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared for that. And, 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 and listen, I'm a pastor and listen to what I'm about to tell you, okay? You're gonna be like, what? But listen, I don't think what people need to hear the most is chapter and verse from the Bible. I don't believe that. When uh, the times that I've had, whether it was coaching or, 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 or just uh, on vacation, on vacation, I had a chance to sit down with an 18-year-old boy this past week and just talk to him. And I wasn't quoting verses and all. He just, he, he, he knows me from years ago. And he's like, can, I, can we go get a cup of coffee? And I went out to Dunkin' Donuts and we just sat there and we just talked. And I didn't quote chapter and verse. I just talked to him. I just told him my story. This, this, this is what I know about God. This is what God's done for me. This is what God wants to do for you. And, and I could just feel in that moment, it wasn't a script I was reading. It wasn't something I practiced, but I could just see life coming into him. And, and I could just see faith growing in him. Be prepared. Be prepared. God, just let me share what you've done in my life to give someone else hope that may be going through a difficult time. God, just give me the words to point them to you, Jesus. Just to point them to you. Man, I, I don't know. I, I've been pastoring now for 27 years. I don't know how many thousands of sermons that I've given, but I've come to this real conclusion. It is not in the phraseology. It's not in the turn of a phrase that makes a difference. It, it's if I just speak from my heart what God's put in there, and what I've studied and prepared. And God takes those things and he's the one that makes the difference. He's the one that makes the difference. I prepare, he's the one that makes the difference. And I think that's the way he wants to do it with every one of us. Not when you're sitting down with a coworker and they're crying like, listen, my world's falling apart. Well, listen, let me give you three points right now and then I'll end in a poem and then we'll pray. No, don't do that. Give them hope. Give them hope because of what God's done in your life. Not that you're perfect, none of us are. But you're progressing. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not the person that you used to be. And today where you stand, you're not the person that you will be. And just share with them from your heart what God's done. And watch as God takes those words as your salt and your light and influences the people that are in your oikos. What a great prayer every day. An oikos outlook. God, give me an oikos outlook for the sphere that you've placed me in to influence others for your sake. See, it doesn't matter what your location is, it doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't even matter what your station is. Our assignment is the same. And that is to be salt and to be light in this world and to make a difference in this world for the glory of God and to advance, advance the kingdom of God for his sake. I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have so much greater purpose 
and the friendships that we have and the places that you've placed us, our jobs, our families, our our relationships, friendships. God, I pray right now that, 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 Lord, even in your people's hearts right now as we've looked at your word, Lord, that you would give us an oikos outlook, that you'd sensitize us to see those around us and how we could speak words that bring life, that encourage, that bring hope, and we can point other people to you. And Father, that we would truly delight ourselves in you, just like a a bride prepares herself for the groom on the wedding day, that we would delight ourselves in you, God, and that you would place your desires that you have for us in our hearts. Thank you, Father. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to take a minute in this moment of reflection. If there would be anyone and everyone, I want to give you an opportunity here today. If you've never taken that step of putting your faith and your trust and your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, you, you can do that today. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. You'll never be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, but he sacrificed himself and he substituted himself on the cross and he died the price for your sins. And he paid the price for your sins and for my sins. And he rose again from the grave three days later. And when we trust him with our life and we receive that free gift of forgiveness because of Jesus Christ, that's what it means to be saved. That's when we find real purpose and meaning in our lives, even like we've been talking about today. And so if you've never prayed that prayer before of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and trusting your life, putting your life in his hands, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer right now. And I just ask you if you've never done it before, just to pray this prayer after me. And, and, and not just the words, but open your heart to Jesus in this moment. And he will forgive you of your sins. And you can begin today in this moment that you have real life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Just pray after me saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive the gift of Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I turn from my sins now and I trust Jesus Christ. Guide me, Jesus direct me show me the purpose that you created me for and I will follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name Amen Amen Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information Thank you 